0: Hey everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. Today, I am joined by John Stevenson out of Edmonton, Canada. Um, John has such an interesting background working primarily with goalkeepers in hockey. Um, he's a registered psychologist and mental performance consultant. He has a master's degree in sports psychology from Toronto's York University uh, and a master's degree in counseling psychology from City University in Edmonton. Uh, He has worked with athletes from all different sports all over the world, and in this conversation we talk a lot about the difference between individual sport athletes, team sport athletes, uh, mental focus, mindset, um, the positives and negatives of the car ride home when it comes to parents and kids' interactions, and a whole bunch more stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I certainly really enjoyed having this conversation. I learned a lot myself. And um, and so please sit back, relax, and listen to this episode. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids information is cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand do you or your organization run any kind of camps cinch is going to be your answer download the app register your organization create your camp program and publish it's as simple as that all done from your tablet now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right. Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, joined today by John Stevenson. John, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me on your show, Kelly.
0: Um, this is pretty exciting. Um, we've, we've spoken a lot with um, athletes in the past, and now to look at it from a psychological standpoint, um, with you being a registered psychologist, I'm pretty excited about your take on the focus of what this podcast is is about, which is mostly how failures or, um, you know, troublesome times end up leading to uh, better growth. And so um, I just want to start from the beginning with you. And how did you follow, follow this path to the psychological side of sport?
1: Well, uh, in my minor hockey days, I um, I was a goalie and in hockey, obviously it's a team sport. But when you're the goaltender, um, it's almost a sport within a sport um, yeah. because you can single-handedly win the game for your team or <laughs> vice versa. You can single-handedly lose the game for for your team. And I didn't handle pressure very well growing up. Um, I would get very angry when I got scored, scored on, and I didn't know how to deal with that and be able to to let that go. And at the time when I was growing up, I'm I'm 53 right now. There wasn't too many goalie schools in, in Canada. Now there's a a plethora of goalie schools, but even still now there's, there's so many goalie schools and they do a phenomenal job on the technical part of the game. But I still see a ton of goalies where they don't have the ability to let go of something, you know, bad that might happen on the ice. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for me, how I got into this was also, you know, in tryouts, I would get really, really nervous, um, you know, and I wanted to make the team so bad. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that, you know, wanting to make the make the team was the worst thing I could have done. I, <laughs> yeah. had, I had no idea I was so outcome focused rather than process focused. And so just through my own experience, I wanted to help. Athletes, you know, deal with the pressures of tryouts. I wanted to help athletes, you know, deal with dealing with adversity, uh, dealing with injuries, and and that's how I kind of came into. uh, And and I was also really fascinated right from the get-go. I always was really fascinated by uh, top athletes, like or, or just top performers in the world. Like, what were the Michael Phelps doing? What were they doing differently? that not only were they, they winning, but they were like almost destroying their competition. So yeah, I got really fascinated with um, what peak performance is all about.
0: You know, you brought something up there, um, being outcome-focused versus process-focused. And I think that's something that's extremely important today, especially in um, the youth side of the game. Um, and, and I see it on my end from... the the soccer perspective. And, you know, there's this mantra right now in in soccer in the United States that states um, train like a pro, right? That's everybody's mantra, train like a pro. And I look at that and I'm kind of like, I would rather a kid train like a kid as opposed to train like a pro, because it's like, people want them to be, parents want their kids to be pros like right, right off the bat. And they're, they kind of skip that whole process part. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your take on that.
1: Well, I think the number one thing is, you know, for peak performance, the irony of it is, is when you're having fun and you're just, you love the game. Like, you know, for me, I I loved golf. I, I was a passionate golfer and to be out on the driving range for nine hours and just having fun, like, you know, and, and, you know, when you're having fun and you're really, enjoying it in psychology terms they call it intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic and it's you know intrinsic is all about that passion and why you love the sport and why you'd sit there for hours dribbling a soccer ball and I think I think the key thing for me is it starts you know like I loved goalie equipment (laughs) I know like like it's wow this is pretty cool you can paint your own mask and and what what's what did I love I know it sounds crazy but I love stopping the puck Mm-hmm. I love getting a puck shot at me rather than trying to score. And, and I love, you know, trying to make that difference. And I guess the only thing I would say is I, I have what's called the performance wheel. I draw a circle on a sheet. And to me, the five key things that make up an athlete are your physical skills, your technical skills, your tactical, your mental. And then the hub of the wheel is your lifestyle, your nutrition, your hydration and sleep. Yeah, And what I, what I would say, Kelly to like train, like a pro, like, you don't have to invent the wheel. If you look at any of the top athletes in the world, whether it be, you know, soccer, I was born in Glasgow, so we call it football, Mm -hmm. but you can, you don't have to invent the wheel. Like what are the top athletes doing physically? What are they doing technically? So you can, you don't, you can take a lot of different experiences and look at them and learn from that and, and, you know, advance the wheel faster. But at the same time, You got to really enjoy, you got to really love just going out there and having fun. And I think that's the most important thing is it it has to be fun. If you're not having fun, then I'm not quite sure why you're doing it. Yeah. You know what? I obviously completely agree with that. And,
0: and, you know, I, I think that what we see these days is, um, it's not really kids that are making those decisions. Uh, You know, it's not, it's not really kids that are the ones that are watching uh, the peak performers and, Uh, copying what they're doing or taking things from what they're doing and then adapting it to themselves. I feel like it's more parents who are doing that and then trying to put that on their kids to then do those same kinds of things. And, and as you said, with the intrinsic motivation, that's, that's not how it works. Right. Uh, I'm with you, you know, where it's like, you, you have to, you have to have a child fall in love with something first. And then you almost don't even have to uh, like you don't have to push anything on them. they're gonna drive that their,
1: themselves. that's right and and I think in, in, in all fairness and you know to the parents, like I don't know what it's like stateside in in soccer for you, but here in Canada, in the last oh I'd say over the last decade, um, there's this real emphasis to play spring hockey uh-huh. So you've got kids that are ten years old, Kelly, and by the end of the season, They've played like a hundred and twenty-five games. Oh man! And you, you know, and then the parents are, you know, bringing them to me because you know we don't understand why little Johnny's not motivated. Well, it's called burnout. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, and and there's a lot of I call it fear mongling. And what I mean by that is a lot of parents are told, well, if little Johnny doesn't, you know, uh, keep up with this, you know, with the Jones Joneses, he's going to yep. get behind. And you know I've got several NHL goalies, Braden Holpe from the Washington Capitals. Mm-hmm. Braden never played spring hockey. Yeah. Um, you know he was a baseball player. Um, he was an athlete. He he went and did a whole bunch of different things. He was he played golf. He he and to me it was you know when I, when I got out of the goalie school business a decade ago, it, for me it was really sad because I had goalies coming to my 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 goalie school that never caught in the football or played badminton or played. You know, yeah. anything, you know, we're a racket sport or the, going out and just having fun in different things. And, and all the research shows that if you're doing multidisciplinary things, um, you're going to be a better athlete. But even just, um, you, you, I think you need variety. And if you get, you're just, you get bored and you get stale. And and when yeah. you get, you know, different experiences and different cultures of sports you know, like I have, I've even told some of my goalies sometimes go out and be a forward. You'll have a better understanding and a, an appreciation for what, what they're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's um, to that it's, it's sampling, right? Uh, as kids, we, we want to sample all sorts of various things, uh, whether it be in school, whether it be in sports, uh, whether it be with friends and what we, what I've seen at least is this trend of people stopping the sampling and trying to just focus so early and then that's where that burnout comes from because the interest just isn't quite there and and I've actually seen that the the players that have sampled various sports um are the ones that actually develop much faster than those that have specialized early and I always talk about it in soccer in the sense of you know if if there's a soccer player that's played hockey they know how to um use their body a lot better they know how to shield the ball from uh, teammates or from uh, opponents um, and and like with basketball they understand movement off the ball they understand uh, moving into space um, they understand a structure and a formation and those are things that you don't learn simply within the game of soccer until you're at a much um, older age or at a at a higher level and so um, yeah I think that there's this this like uh, idea of sampling that has been kind of taken away from from youth these days.
1: And I agree. And, and unfortunately I, I have several athletes that, you know, play lots of sports and they're very, very good at it. Like I I've had several athletes that are very, very good at football, you know, soccer and hockey. Yeah. And then it's almost like when they're 13 years old, they're forced to decide, you know, yeah. like because a lot of the coaches are saying, well, you know, if you want to go to that next level, you're going to have to commit, you know, seven days a week. I, I remember, this was the weirdest one. I had one of my NCAA goalies. This guy was a phenomenal golfer. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, hockey and golf, totally opposite time of the year sports. And he could have played on the, uh, you know, div one golf, you know, the golf team and the hockey team, and they wouldn't allow it because they, 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 you know, they, it was no, no, we require this, this time commitment. And it, it just, blew me away when i first heard that you know yeah. it's um and and i think it uh, the irony in my opinion i think if he would have been allowed to do both it would you act you would have actually seen a better athlete in both of those sports
0: yeah i i couldn't agree more i mean that's that's one of the I think misconceptions that people have these days is that you need that early focus um and i just i just don't believe that i, I think that players just need to they need to figure out what their own path is and they need to develop skills through various, uh, activities.
1: Absolutely. And, and and just being outdoors and, and not, you don't, you don't just going, um, and enjoying it. Like just there, there's no, there's no outcome. Just go and have fun. Like go, just kick a ball. Like if you even just go into the park and just throw a ball back and forth just for the sake of doing that, just for, you know, having fun catching the ball or kicking a ball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, tell me about, I mean, I'd say some of the more common issues that you come up against, um, when working with, uh, athletes, what are some of the, what are some of the things that, um, that they struggle with that you end up helping them through?
1: Sure. Um, so, uh, a good call, a friend of mine, a colleague named Dr. Jacques Delaire, um, he introduced me, he has a book called performance thinking okay. and, I came across this gentleman probably about eight or nine years ago, and he calls it um, the high performance equation. And it's very simple, Kelly. It just goes like this. A is your A game. It's everything that you have 100% control over that's relevant to doing your job. And B is the uncontrollables, all the things that you have no direct control over. And C is the outcome. So the, the you know, like what everybody wants, stats, you know, wins, making teams, getting pro contracts. So the equation basically goes A times B equals C. Mm-hmm. And basically what that equation tells us is that we can go out and play phenomenal and we may not get the outcome yeah. be- because of the B. And so often what I deal with is helping athletes become first and foremost aware that their focus has drifted to something that they have no direct control over. So if they're putting all of their time and energy, time and energy, time and energy into something that nothing's going to change, well, guess what's going to happen to their confidence level? Guess what's going to happen to their motivation level? Uh And then if they're basing their confidence on results, um, they're in trouble. Because that a formula teaches us that we don't have control, direct control over the results. And so the biggest issues that I see, like the, the number one that comes through my office is athletes, particularly young athletes and adolescent athletes, and even the college, even the pros, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. coaches' behaviors and coaches' comments. <laughs> that, that's the number one issue that comes through my door, where a coach, you know, playing time, uh, decision making, um, comments that they say. Um, so I I teach a lot of kids how to respond. You don't have control over the uncontrollables, but you definitely have control over how you choose to respond to those uncontrollables. Does that, oh, that make sense.
0: Well, why do you why do you think um, that that coaches kind of have that? effect. I mean, is it just a, a lack of education on the psychological side or impact of what they say? And so that's what's driving some of these
1: comments. I think there are some coaches that they're I call it old school, Kelly, where they um there's that, you know, that fear. Like if you don't do this, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. And you know, way back when, when when I played, that worked. It scared it scared the, you know, the bejeebers out of me and that motivated me. I don't yep. see that. I don't see that at all now. If anything, I think kids shut down, and they uh, they just they they don't respond to that type of coaching. And I think it is um, a little bit of um, lack of education on some of the coaches' part. That um, you know, for example, I just was on the phone the other day with a mom who um, her daughter's a Celtic dancer, and they're going to be going over to the Worlds you know, in a couple of weeks and the night before the coach starts giving all these instructions about what to do. Well, the last thing you want to be doing is it be in the front part of your brain, because the whole point of training is I call it play out, play out of your mind. Like you, you, when you're doing your best, you're not thinking you're just, you're just performing, you're just reading and reacting. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times coaches are trying to really help, But if they give up these last minute instructions, what they don't realize is it actually messes the athlete up. So in some ways, I think that they have good, you know, good intentions, but they don't really know the science of how the brain works. And I think, I think it's getting better, but there's still a long way to go.
0: Well, so then what are some of the things or techniques you use to help uh, people through this, that kind of uh, lack of confidence when, when coaches make those kinds of comments?
1: Well, I have a little phrase and it goes like this. You can have a thought and a feeling about anything without that thought and feeling having you. I like it. So basically one of the primary skills that I teach is mindfulness. That what you learn through mindfulness is that you're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're not your sensations. That's what's happening to you in the moment but you're greater than whatever you're experiencing in that moment. So when you have the awareness of what you're thinking and feeling and sensing and realize that it's, it's, it's just temporary because you have that awareness, you can make a better informed choice as to what you want to do with those feelings. Does does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, completely. And so, you know, for example, a lot of it, you know, the mantra control the controllables. So if a coach says something, I'm always bringing the athlete back to three things. And that's one, what's important now? What's the most important thing I can do right now that would allow me to do what I need to do. And then the second thing is really emphasizing to the athletes, what are the things that you have direct control over? You have control over your attitude, your work ethic, you you know, your, your focus, And then the third thing that we really explore, and I learned this from my goalie coach a long time ago, is what are your core values? So, you know, what, no, no matter what a coach does or anybody else says, you know, what are the things that you, you know, what's your personal philosophy? What are the things that you truly believe in? And that, you know, the mental game determines the situation, not the situation determines the mental game. And my goalie coach a long time ago used to, I, this, I love this definition of mental toughness and that's the outer game never determines the inner game. So if you have a core value of work, you know, hard work, I'm a hard working yeah. person, then no matter what the coach says or does, they can't, they can't take that away from you. And so a lot of it is reminding them that, you know, I've never played soccer. I'm not going to tell an NCAA division one soccer player not to have a thought and feeling (laughs) about the, you know, they're not playing, you know, being a healthy scratch. But what I'm going to remind them is, okay, let's look at that performance wheel. You know, what can you do physically? Are you doing everything physically? Are you doing everything technically? Are you doing everything tactically? Are you getting good sleep, good nutrition? Because now all of a sudden, if somebody goes down on the pitch, and you haven't been working and you haven't been preparing and you get that moment and you're not ready. Well, it's not the coach's fault. That's your, that's your responsibility. So does that make sense about like, you know, what's important now controlling controllables and really helping them to discover, you know, like if somebody said, you know, my core values, I want people to really know me as a good teammate. Well, that's where we discover in, you know, and everybody that could be different. Um, what what is when you say you know i want to be a good teammate what does that mean and and that's where you know and we help the athletes discover what you know what they truly stand for and what they truly believe in
0: now what kind of a role have you found that parents play in this
1: boy great question um i always like to say I, i know we're not seeing each other right now but I, I always tell the, the parents three rules. It's uh, drive them there, right? Yep, Provide the money, and then clap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that <laughs> um, because again, you don't want to have um, over coaching because again, you know they again parents might have good ideas and great ideas, but if you know little Sally's coming back home from the soccer game and mom or dad are giving all these coaching instructions now that athlete just has 10,000 things going through their head and if they're internally focused guess where they're not focused they're not focused you know in their visual channel they're external and then because their focus is is good it's just on the wrong thing at the wrong time now they're they're going to you know they're going to mess up again so mm-hmm. i i think the big thing what i try to remind parents is is you know particularly after a game, I always talk about you know, let's talk about things that you did well today, you know like because there's yeah. a there's a tendency in sport to focus on what I call the negativity bias. Um, you know, I remember playing Bantam Triple A and and you know we we won the game two two one. I was the first star in the game, and I get into the car and guess what? The first thing my dad says to me. <laughs> you know, what, what happened on that, that goal? And I'm like, are are you kidding me? Like, and I got really, I got really mad. And so I think, um, you know, I think the big thing that parents need to do is just um, provide all the opportunities. um, You know, like, uh, does that make sense? Like, whether it be physical or technical, you know, show them different things. Um, but I think, you know, being encouraging them, um, again, like we've talked a lot about the life lessons, um, how you can take a lot of these, you know, mental skills and be able to apply them, you know, to your life and how you can use it to write, you know, an exam or get your driver's license. So I Mm -hmm. think with, um, with the parents, I think the biggest thing that I see is sometimes maybe over-involvement and, you know, and, and I go back. You know, Tiger Woods' his dad was uh, could have coached Tiger, but he realized same with Braden Holpe. Uh, Braden Holpe's dad was a high level goalie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and it was kind of I think it's ironic. I think don't quote me on this, but I think Earl decided I think around twelve or thirteen years old that I think it's important now that someone else take take Tiger take you know and, and coach him, and, yep. and Greg Holpe did the same with Braden. Um, And that's how he introduced me to, to, you know, he said, I I think it's important. Braden gets different ideas and different philosophies. And I think that's the one thing I'd say to parents is um, let them go have fun. Let them go have different experiences, support them, keep encouraging them. You know, after games, the first thing, talk about things that went well, you know, talk about things that they were, you know, you know, and and sometimes maybe if uh, they don't want to talk, you know, give them that, that, that maybe that time just to let them have, you know, space and let them, and let them digest it and let them kind of maybe see if they can, you know, find the solution on their own, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's change uh, the direction here a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you about working primarily with uh, goalkeepers with, with hockey goalkeepers. Um, As you mentioned earlier on, it's a very, individual position and so can you talk a little bit about um, some of the issues that you may come across with these individual kind of uh, sports or individual athletes
1: that like individual athletes within a sport
0: well like you know like I said with with a goalie um, it it is kind of like an isolated position it's different than being out uh, on the rink with the rest of the team and, and the flow that goes along with that. And there's a lot of responsibility that's put on, on themselves. And so the mental side of that game, um, like what are, what are some of the things that you come across when working with those kinds of positions?
1: Well, I think, you know, whether you're a quarterback or a pitcher, um, you yeah. know, a goalie, um, I think there is that, the, the, the athletes that I've worked with, they love it. They, they see it. They don't see it as a threat. If anything, Mm -hmm. they see it as a great, as a great opportunity, a great challenge. They embrace it. They really love it. They love um, the fact that they could make, you know, such a big, big difference. Um, And and that's what I've seen. Um, And they also realize that, um, you know, the, the, the best ones that I've worked with, um, they take ownership. You know, if they've had a tough game and they, um, you know, maybe made a mistake, they they take ownership of, it, ownership of it and they go really work on it. I think the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, when you're working with individuals within a team sport, it's again reminding them you don't have control over your teammates' behavior. You know, mm-hmm. like the other night, the the Oilers played against Columbus. And in the first period alone, the, the Hamilton Oilers goalie had 23 shots against them. Wow. That, that, that's not really uh, defensive hockey now. No. <laughs> you know, no. And when it was all said and done, I think he had 47 shots on him. You know, that's a, a high amount of shots in the National Hockey League. And mm-hmm. you know, the, goal, the, the, the Oilers ended up winning 4-1. Now, in that particular situation, Kelly, um, I always remind athletes, think of your focus like a flashlight. So if you were, if the playing surface was pitch, if the soccer pitch was black or the ice surface was black and imagine you got a coal miner's helmet on, you know, on top of your head and wherever that flashlight goes, that's where you're sending 100% of your energy. So if the goalie or the quarterback or, you know, whoever the pitcher, if their flashlight is going to their teammates behavior, guess where their, guess where their flashlight is not. So, you know, and, and, so for me, a lot of it is reminding them, you know, like you could be on a last place team, but you need to keep focusing on what you need to do to, to be a leader on your team and, and develop your skills. So that's probably the biggest issue that I see when I'm working with individual athletes that are playing within a team sport. It's, you know, keeping again, that control the controllable, keep your focus on you getting better. And cause that's going to be the best way that you're going to help your team you know, to, uh, to reach their success.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a, I love that analogy of the flashlight uh, because it's so um, transferable across basically anything that you really do, right. You can only really put your focus in that one spot to do it the way that it needs to be done, especially at a high level like
1: that. Right. And, and I always remind the athletes, it's like the, uh, the distracted driving law. Can you be on your cell phone and drive at the same time? Well, the answer is yes but you can't do either one of them very well. So if you're going up the soccer pitch and your flashlight is on the scoreboard, well, guess where your flashlight's not? It's not literally on the play that's happening right in front of you. And so, you know, I I can't mention his name, but I got a high-level NHL goalie that I'm working with right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, their team is giving up a lot of high-quality scoring chances. And so he can lose his confidence and lose his focus if he allows his flashlight to drift to your teammates behavior or he can step back and because he's aware of what he's thinking and feeling excuse me now make a better better choice and then now i brought him back to that performance wheel what are all the things that you can do to be better prepared to handle these situations and that's what he's been doing and he's been playing very very well so in that situation it was just more of reminding him of bringing it back to the things that he has, you know, control over that he can influence that situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And, and I think that that's a really common thing across um, specifically youth sports. And I think what I see at least is there's just a lot of blame that's put elsewhere, right? There isn't what you said earlier about the the ownership um, of the, the entire situation. And I see it, um, Players blaming other players, uh, parents blaming the coach, parents blaming other players. Um, There just seems to be this this lack of uh, ownership of every of every action, and so, you know, I think that that's one of our toughest uh, challenges is to help everybody understand that exactly what you've been talking about is that you can only control what you can control, and you can't control everything else. And you know, if you're blaming somebody else you probably could have been doing something more yourself.
1: Well, my my, my goalie coach used to use this little phrase, Kelly, and it's like when you're blaming, you're being lame.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yes.
1: Right? And and to me, um, I had a chance uh, many years ago to be the goalie coach for the U of A Golden Bears, the hockey team, and very Mm -hmm. high-profile hockey team in Canada. And I love their, their, their mantra, their, their, their motto. And that was, it's amazing what gets accomplished when no one cares who takes the credit. Yep. And, you know, when you have that, you know, and it's again, cliche, but team, you know, together, everyone achieves more. And when people can put their ego aside and park their differences, and if that means you're just going out on the ice to do this one thing, because it's going to be the betterment of the team you know, that's, that can be hard for parents sometimes to see that. But um, yeah, I think um, the athletes that, that can, you know, come play off time where they can say, Hey, this is the best way. Like whether it's, you know, providing laughter, you know, maybe they're not going to be a, you know, you heard a lot last year with St. Louis, there were, there were, you know, guys in the locker room that weren't playing, but boy, they're, they their comedy and their laughter. And, you know, they brought, they brought a looseness to the room. And so yeah. even though they weren't playing, they were still having major contributions to the team. And, and other guys were really recognizing that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know in my own experience, the, the teams that I played on um, that had that, that mentality of, I want to win for the guy next to me, not necessarily for me. Um, those were the teams that by far had the most success. And I, yeah, I, I feel joyous. like the culture, that culture within a locker room is it's really difficult to build, especially in today's um, kind of uh, professional sports environment, just because players are fragile, egos are fragile, people want a lot, they want a lot of the attention. And I also think specifically in soccer here in the United States, we've, we've turned it into an individual sport at young levels. And then it becomes difficult for players to have humility um, when they get to those higher levels.
1: Yeah. And, and I just, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I just had this conversation that um, in my own experience as a, as a coach in the Western hockey league and as a former NHL uh, scout that would go across North America, looking for talent, um, there were teams that, because they worked together, they they were staying longer and longer and longer in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. what happened was because of that, guess what they were doing, Kelly? They were they were getting more exposure. Yeah, and and the very thing that they wanted, you know, like you know, getting drafted or um, you know, getting to that next level well, they would have never done it. They would have never got that exposure had they just been playing for themselves. And, you know, I've had teams, several teams, unfortunately, I've been on both sides. um, Yeah, same. Where uh, all of a sudden this last place team sneaks in and because there was, you know, in the Western Hockey League, sometimes you get, I'm sure you get it in soccer too, like you get a freshman and then you get a senior and there can be divisions within the room that, you know, well, yeah. You know, and, and that's what happened to one of the teams. We actually, we won the whole thing that year and we got knocked out in the first round because mm-hmm. this this team uh, that beat us, they collectively said, hey, let's just go and have fun. Let's, no one's expecting anything from us. Let's just go and work together. And next thing you know, they they won the whole thing. And because they were getting further and further and further down the playoff route and into the Memorial Cup, there were kids that would have never been ever even on the radar for pro hockey, but yeah. that you know, they got drafted because yeah. they, they exposed themselves, which was, it, it, and that's what I always have to remind guys. Like the deeper you go more and more people are going to come out and watch and that's going to give you the best opportunity to get your goal. So if you can kind of yeah. poke your differences and, and come together as a team, you're, you're going to collectively get what you want
0: well yeah and it kind of goes back to what you originally started this conversation with saying it's all about the fun if you just focus on that then everything else seems to kind of come and you know i i think that that is just kind of so culminating it's like it really is all about the fun it doesn't really matter about what level you're at
1: and i think at the high level sometimes you know um I know at the pro level, uh, you know, the business side of things can get in that way. And, and, and it's, like I said, ironically, when I just remind guys, you know, we, we start talking about equipment and new equipment and they're like, Oh yeah, Johnny, this is, this is really cool. And, and then they, Oh yeah, this is what I love about being a goalie. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then next thing, you know, they're, they're back on track again. They, it's, because unfortunately, just sometimes the, the mind can wander to things that, like I said, the business side of things. And then when they just, you know, and, and I do, I'll have conversations with them about, hey, remember when you were playing in Adam and Pee Wee and you, and you made that? Oh, yeah, that was awesome, Johnny. And, and they get yeah. back to, hey, this is why, why I was playing in the first place.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a, one of my coaches, guy named Clive Charles, um, probably the biggest influence in my life. Um, He had said to me right before I had signed my first pro contract, he just said, don't worry about all the nonsense. Don't worry about all the noise, go out on the field and have fun. And if you do that, all of those other things that you think that you want will come to you, but you can't ever let the focus leave the fun. And throughout my career, I, definitely had gotten pulled away from all those kinds of things at times but i always tried to bring it back to i played this game because it's fun because i enjoy it i like being out there i like the flow that i like to feel when things go well and um and and i just try and keep that in the back of my mind at all times basically with anything that i do is don't worry about all of those things um and and especially like with kids that i work with these days it's like all they want to talk about is like, Oh, you had a Nike contract. What was that like? (laughs) Like, Oh, I hope I can get that someday. And I always said like, don't, don't even think about that. Like just go out there and and enjoy yourself and enjoy the game. And, and then guess what? That, that may present itself, you know, without you having to go look for it.
1: Well, I learned this a long time ago and I apologize. I can't remember the NCAA uh, basketball coach. He's a division one coach. And, and ironically, because it's it's March and it's March Madness. Yeah. And this was a dozen years ago. And he said this phrase that really, I use it all the time. He said, you know, he was he coached the, the men's team. He said, boys, aren't we playing on the same court in March that we did back in September?
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: And, and he goes, you know, the ball doesn't know that it's a big game. The, the, yeah. the hoop doesn't know that it's a big game it's not a big game. It's, it's a game. Go out and just go play, just go do what you do. And so I, you know, I've had NHL goalies where, you know, like, Hey, the puck doesn't know that it's a big game, right? (laughs) The ice surface doesn't know that it's a big game. It's a game. And, you know, and if it doesn't go well that night, you know, is it the be all and end all? And that takes a lot of pressure off them. You know, it's like, if you, yeah. if, and if you stick to your routine, right. If you, you know, you, you, you there's a reason why you're playing at this level because you know, like, and that's the, the confidence part. If you ground yourself in your pregame routine and you just go do what you're going to do. And, 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 this is why you've been doing all this training in the first place to go play with the best, best yep. people in the world and, and go and enjoy it and, 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 and have fun with it. And, um, that's the, for for me. That's how I've been able to help athletes kind of deal with that so called you know pressure. Yeah, I mean, I always had this thing in my mind
0: of whatever happens, I'm going to wake up the next day. Yeah, it's a new running. day. That's it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to wake up and I can have my cup of coffee and I can see what the day holds for me. And uh, you know, you can look back and you could dwell if you want, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that that's going to be the best uh, course of action.
1: No, I I mean, uh, Jennifer Heil, who was an aerial mogulist, she's from the Edmonton local area, Spruce Grove. And in 2010, when the games were in, uh, the winter games were in Vancouver, you know, there was all this pressure. Who's going to be the first, you know, um, Canadian athlete to win a medal? Mm -hmm. Um, And she was one of the first, you know, athletes up. And she said, she just looked at the hill and she said, you know what? I've done this hill 10,000 times. It's just like another practice run. Let's just go and do what I do and trust my training. And that was her mindset. And, you know, ended up winning a silver medal. It wasn't about, oh, I'm not, you know, I I can't let Canada down and I (laughs) can't let my country down. And it's just, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go and do what I've been doing. Just go and have fun, go and enjoy myself and embrace it. And um,
0: that's how she was able to do
1: so well. I,
0: I love that. I mean, it's just, yeah, take the noise away, just focus on the love and, and, and what you've been training to do. It's perfect. Yep. So um, tell me, tell, I guess the listeners, everybody just a bit about zone performance and, um, and what your main focus is with that.
1: So one of the things that I, like, again, I go back to that performance wheel. So there's, you know, there's the strength and conditioning coaches, Um mm-hmm and the physical part, you know, your speed, agility, quickness, your flexibility, and, and there's your technical skills. Um, and then the part that I think, and most athletes do the top two parts of the wheel. Yeah. Um, and as much as I'm a mental coach now, I think the hub of the wheel is critical because if you are not hydrated, if you you know, be, become 1% dehydrated, you're going to lose 25% of your eye hand coordination. And that comes all from the research in the military, you know, working with diffusing bombs. So, you know, if you're not getting good sleep, then what's the point of going to dry land training? Um, You know, and if you're, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this show right now on Netflix called game changer. And they're talking about, you know, plant-based protein or, you know, versus animal based and pardon the pun, but it's food for thought. But the bottom line is, you know, your food, your your fuel, as I call it. And then the one that's really come up, what I've seen a lot, Kelly, in the last six years is the amount of athletes that are involved in electronics. I call it the dumb phone. And, yeah. you know, they have no idea um, if you're playing a multiple object processing sport, soccer, lacrosse, football, hockey, you know, um, if you are on that device, YouTubing, Snapchatting, it actually makes your brain slower. It makes you more mm-hmm. vulnerable to a concussion.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, that's one of the reasons why the NHL have, have you know, really banned Fortnite and stuff like that. Um, and, and it's literally digital heroin because a lot of these games, what they do is they, they put a reward in it and then the brain goes, Ooh, I like that. And then next thing mm-hmm. you know, well, the brain wants more of it. So at zone performance, I think the first thing is we remind them that your lifestyle is critical because we have a machine. So the tactical part, we have um, several machines here, one called the neuro tracker. We have one called the synaptic. I don't know if you've seen the strobe glasses, but yeah. you know, so we have some pretty sophisticated technology that trains the brain and trains the eyes. Um, in the, in the athletic world, you often hear it called vision training. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that term because I call it cognitive perceptual. Because it's yeah. a brain, brain part to it. There's a decision-making part to it. So yeah. with this equipment, there's no guesswork anymore. We can literally train your, your eyes, your muscles of your eyes. We can train the brain to process the game faster, um, your soccer IQ, your hockey IQ. So one of the things that we have here is, you know, equipment. And we also have a whole bunch of things that you can do away from the playing surface to make your eyes and make your brain stronger um one of the things we also do is we have neurofeedback so neurofeedback measures brain waves and basically brain waves are how we feel at any given time and Mm -hmm. it may sound a little kind of funky but they've got sensors on their brain that can literally train the brain to be more focused to be more calm so it's it's literally weight training for the brain so Mm -hmm. when they're You know, they could have an animation up, like a roller coaster. And when they're focused and they're calm, they actually make the roller coaster move with their mind. And it's an objective way of just like weight training in the gym. Um, You can do weight training for the brain. So that's another thing that we offer here. And then, you know, there's, you've seen in the last, I'd say again, decade, more and more emphasis on using mindfulness, using meditation as a way of, training your brain to be more focused, to be more self, you know, emotionally self-regulated. So for me, it's, I, I, my job, I think in what zones job here is to coach the kids out of a job. Like my, yeah. you know, that they're there, they've got the tools and the strategies that they can, you know, understand what makes their game, their game. Like, for example, I, I if you don't mind me asking Kelly, I, I call it hype number zero. Yes zero you're asleep and 10 you've had 900 red bull you know yeah. um when you played your best where, where did you think you needed to be to, when you're when you were playing your best soccer
0: oh man um i think it was probably somewhere around like maybe like a six and i say that because uh, i always wanted to like in soccer there's just so much going on all the time and there's a um, there's a beauty to being able to slow it all down and and the hardest thing in soccer is to keep the game very simple. And so I always found that if I was too like manic, then I wouldn't I wasn't thinking straight. Um, I was It was just all about effort. And then if I was too tired, then I didn't have the effort to be able to put into doing the things that I needed to do. So I say that maybe like six, seven, maybe even eight, um, because it, it was like this, this like Zen, like state where I had very good energy, but mentally I was able to slow things down yep. to,
1: to keep it all simple. And, and you might have another, um, you know, member on your team that's really good at their position, but how they get ready could be totally, totally different. Like some oh, absolutely, athletes, some athletes need to be more calmer some athletes need to be the energizer bunny rabbit to be pumped up. And I I had
0: teammates of all sorts like that. Yeah.
1: And and that's where I think sometimes parents can make a mistake because they have to understand that everybody's going to be a little bit different. And even, Mm -hmm. um, you know, their siblings, like what, what might work for the older brother may not work for the younger, you know, younger Mm -hmm. sister. And so that's one of the things that we do at zone is, help them. I, I, I use this analogy, getting into the zone is, or if that flow state is like baking a cake and you, yeah. you got to find out what the key ingredients are for you. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we do at zone is help develop that self awareness and then give them tools and strategies. I call it the seven C's of mental toughness. So you have composure, you have confidence, you have consistency, you have commitment, concentration, compassion, like you mentioned earlier, Sometimes, you know, like a lot of athletes, um, you know, I, they strive for perfection and sometimes they expect perfection, but if it doesn't unfold the way they want, they, they don't have that compassion to say, Hey, that we're not, you know, iron Byron, we're not a robot. We're not going to be perfect all the time. And can we, you know, be kind to ourselves and, and like you mentioned earlier, go back into the past and learn from that rather than beat the crap out of ourselves, go back and learn from it. And that's the type of thing, type of things that we do here is how can you go back and look at maybe a performance that didn't go as well, but if anything, it might be the best thing that ever happened to you because you can take it and grow from it and learn, learn from that experience.
0: Well, if people want to uh, get in touch with you or follow you, uh, where can they find information?
1: So on the, uh, on the website, it's just zoneperformance.ca. Um mm-hmm. we're based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We do sessions all over the world. I do uh, Zoom and I do Skype. Um, mm-hmm. phone number is 780-803-5646. And our email address is just zone performance. It's all one word, zone performance at shaw.ca s h a w dot And if anybody has parents or kids have any questions. Um, they can feel free to contact me and I'd be more than glad to do a free consultation with them and, and help them, um, you know, in any way possible if they're just looking for information or looking for resources, I'm more than glad to do that.
0: That's great. Well, look, I I can't thank you enough for this conversation. It's so insightful and, uh, and I love just hearing the perspective of others, uh, especially from different sports and, and working with top athletes. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: I really really appreciate you uh having me on the show and and letting me uh have a voice and it's a great opportunity to i I love to hear stories like you said about i never i you know i didn't play pro soccer and to hear your share your it's pretty amazing so thank you so much
0: all right awesome thank you so much john